0: This is a special edition of the Daily Signal podcast. By now, I'm sure you all have heard of the leak that happened at the Supreme Court on Monday night, a full draft of the Dobbs case decision authored by Justice Samuel Alito was leaked to the press. Politico issued that full draft. It's nearly 100 pages. And right now, Americans are asking the question, what does this mean? Is this true that Roe v. Wade is going to be overturned? I had the chance to sit down with Carrie Campbell Severino she's the president of Judicial Crisis Network and we talk about what this means at the court level for a breach this significant for a full draft of a court case to be leaked to the public um, and also the significance of of what this means as Roe v. Wade moves forward and just how likely it is that um, that this is accurate that it will indeed be overturned so I'm excited to share this conversation with you all. According to a leaked Supreme Court draft opinion, it appears that the Supreme Court is poised to overturn Roe v. Wade. And here with us to talk about this unprecedented, uh, really, breach at the Supreme Court and this opinion is Carrie Campbell Severino. She is president of Judicial Crisis Network, and Carrie is also the co-author of Justice on Trial, The Kavanaugh Confirmation and the Future of the Court. Carrie, thank you so much for being here. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. So what can you tell us about this leak draft opinion?
1: Well, I can tell you the idea that there would be a leak draft opinion in the first place is some of the most shocking news of this. Uh, I, I never would have expected to see a leak like this uh, with the level of security and the, and the um, level of confidence that justices have in their clerks that, that they can really trust them with these incredibly stuff. Think about it. It, it. Bush versus Gore didn't have A leak, Uh, you know. I mean, all of these hellivers in the United States that restored Second Amendment didn't have a leak. Um, There wasn't a leak like this for the Obamacare case. This is this is really unprecedented to have a draft opinion out like this. But I think what what this shows is this is a continued part of the pressure campaign that is being waged against uh, justices on the court. Whether it was attacks on Kavanaugh during his confirmation, on Justice Barrett for her religion, on Justice Thomas uh, for his wife. Uh, activities. This this is is something that is a regular um, pattern, and we're just seeing it getting worse because even more institutions are being undermined in the process.
0: Mm -hmm. And you know the courts well. You actually clerked yourself for Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Who exactly has access to court opinions, and, and how tight is the security of those documents?
1: You know, when I was there, and obviously things had to change during 2020 when people were working from home, but you weren't allowed to take anything out of the building that uh, would be something like this. The only thing you could take out was maybe a, a brief that had been filed in the court publicly, so it was available everywhere online anyway, so I could read briefs at home, but I could never have taken a draft opinion out of the building whatsoever. Um, I don't even think we would have printed them just as of punishment <laughs> abundance of caution. So this is really um, extraordinary to see this happen. It's really just the justices. Um, and then each of them has has four clerks, and, and that that's pretty much the universe there. I mean, I think some people have speculated you could have a, a, some other staff member at the court come in and steal this, but I, honestly, I think most people are assuming on both right and the left that, that this is probably the, the clerk of one of the liberal justices who was hoping that maybe the pressure campaign, and now we're seeing, of course, our protests at the court last night, we're going to see continued uh, pressure, potentially threats of of violence, who knows? You know that kind of thing, and and the outpouring of uh, of frustration from the left of this opinion might be enough to to maybe change both, maybe stop the opinion. And I think that was it. First of all, admit um a miscalculation because I don't think that the, that the justices and the majority are going to be allow themselves to be bullied in that way. But I also think that's that that's a horrible uh, step in the the politicization of the court to for for someone. Um, within the court to be trying to manipulate it in that way.
0: Yeah, well, and Chief Justice John Roberts, he's already ordered an investigation to look into what happened, <laughs> how this happened. What do we know right now about the, the why behind why this was leaked and the how? I mean, how, how can something like this actually happen?
1: You know, unfortunately, we, we only have speculation on that. Um, I mean, the, the how, it seems it was a printed document. It seems it was then scanned and given to uh, to Politico. Um, and so I think some people have said that, that printers would have a unique mark on the on the document. They might be able to trace what printer came from and use that in their investigation uh, process. Um, in terms of the why, I think we, we, we don't even know who did it, so it's hard to speculate. But a lot of people are assuming this is something that, you know, a, a liberal clerk wanted to make this public to uh, create uh, outside pressure. And unfortunately, what we've seen is in the, in the last um, – decade or so, uh, that the court has uh, telegraphed at times that it's, it is open to this public pressure when you read about cases um, like the Obamacare case, that that famously there was reporting that showed that the chief justice had originally voted the other way and switched his vote. And similar reporting came out after the census case. Now, the difference in this case is the chief justice, who in both of those cases is the one who's alleged to have switched as a result of outside public pressure, um appears to not have been in the majority on this case. And that's not terribly surprising either for anyone who's listened to the arguments. Um, in December, it did seem like the chief justice was trying to find some way to split the baby effectively and uphold uh, the Mississippi law while um, somehow not disturbing Roe versus Wade. It, it's, a, it's an outcome that neither side of the case thought was actually possible, even the people trying to oppose the law said, yeah, there's no way for you to let this law pass and uphold Roe. So I, I'm not sure that, does, that 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 strategy doesn't seem sensible to me, but but it's just such an outrageous um, leak that there, there is no good um, uh, motive here mm-hmm. uh, to go to. I think we'll have to find out who it is, and maybe that will give us some insight.
0: And how likely do you think it is that the leaker will be identified? And then if, if that individual is, what will the consequences be?
1: Uh, you know, I'm optimistic that they will find the person. Uh, the consequences, you know, again, it's very unprecedented, so it's hard to know. I would imagine at a minimum, you're going to lose your job here and this is go- and this is something that would be a um, a black mark on that person in terms of is this someone you could really trust um, going forward, you know indefinitely. Some people have suggested that particularly for violation in a in a role of trust like this, that would make someone uh, potentially uh, either be disbarred or or disqualified from being admitted to the bar, because not all clerks are necessarily members of the bar yet. They often have just come shortly out of law school. Um, So, uh, you know, I think all of those are are real possibilities. Unfortunately, there's some people, uh, particularly some of the radical uh, left-wing direct money groups, that that seem to want to make this person into a hero. And uh, so I think you'll have some people celebrating it as as this destructive um, act that's really undermining the institution of the court as somehow, you know, a, a, a wonderful contribution uh, to, I, I don't know, what certainly not a good contribution to public discourse, uh, but that somehow, you know, th- that um, the ends would justify the means when it comes to advancing their liberal policy goals. Hmm.
0: As someone who has clerked in the Supreme Court before, what's happening right now in the Supreme Court? What are the conversations that the justices are having among themselves and with their clerks?
1: Oh wow! I mean, it, 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 that is very hard to predict because I just I can't imagine they must be just so outraged <laughs> right now. I think particularly the Chief, who was very firm uh, when I was a clerk uh, with uh, ma- making sure the clerks understood the significance of the duties they had to protect the institution of the court, to protect the confidences that were being they were being entrusted with. Um, he just must be outraged because. This is yet another event making his court look so political and treating the judges as politicians um, that we, we've seen a, a tremendous um, a decrease in the prestige of the court um, over the past decade. And I think uh, this, is, this is just another blow to that. So I'm sure the chief justice is, is hopping mad. And that's why he's trying to uh, make sure that the person who, who um, leaked his opinion is Uh, is is found and uh, and can uh, suffer the consequences.
0: Yeah. Well, as we've talked about, this is completely unprecedented. We've never seen a full draft opinion leaked months, really, before uh, when that ruling was supposed to come out. That uh, draft opinion was nearly 100 pages long. And Carrie, I I know you've had a chance to, to to read through that. What are your thoughts on this draft opinion from Justice
1: Samuel Alito? You know, the opinion is just a tour de force of um, addressing the theory of the law in a way that is clear and um, just uh, straightforward. I, you know, it's, it's interesting as you're, you're reading through it, and obviously everyone's trying to read through it as fast as possible. It's kind of going, okay, let me pick out the, the, the flashy lines, or the quoting lines. He, he, he clearly wasn't writing this to be a, you know, to get rhetorical applause. He was writing it to make a clear, persuasive Case. And I think that is so refreshing. Uh, he's not trying to uh, come up with cute turns of phrase. He isn't trying to hide the ball, which unfortunately happens in all too many opinions, trying to cover up for the fact that the court's doing something uh, uh, that, it, that it maybe doesn't want to own up to. He just said straight out, we are, we are overturning Roe versus Wade and and, and Planned Parenthood v. Casey must be overturned. Didn't try to pretend to have it both ways. Um, he addressed both how vacuous, the reasoning in Casey was. Casey, of course, is the decision that upheld Roe and yet at the same time rewrote that whole decision. There's a classic case of the type of um, hiding the ball and, and, and obfuscation that happens in these decisions. Um, it claims to be upholding a case and then simultaneously rewrites the entire basis of the case. Um, and, and he pointed out how Casey never even analyzed how, how whether Roe was was actually good precedent and, and well-founded before deciding it was going to uh, allegedly follow it, and then of course rewrite it. Um, and then he goes into the history, and it's just beyond clear uh, that nothing in the constitutional text, nothing in the implications of any amendment, nothing in American history could possibly be deployed to support a right to abortion. It, it simply is, is not there at any possible grounds in the Constitution. And he he went into excruciating detail on that and then addressed the issue that I think the other uh, lie that's being told about this. One is that somehow people are trying to make the argument that that abortion has a long history in America, and that is simply not true. By the 20th century, um, every single state has outlawed abortion. But when when the 14th Amendment is passed, which is the most common place in the Constitution, people try to find this uh, right, three quarters of the states had outlawed abortion at all stages. So there's no there's no history for this. Um, but you know, even if you say, okay, what, maybe we should just follow the decision anyway, because a lot of water's under the bridge. He applied the standard uh, factors that a court looks at when deciding whether you should follow erroneous precedent. And Roe versus Wade fails every single one in spectacular fashion, uh, whether it's the soundness of the underlying reasoning to the impact it's had on the courts. He talks about how difficult it is for courts to apply these decisions the way that they have been um, misused and contradictory and, and, and basically are, are made up types of uh, new standards that only apply in the abortion area, and how damaging it's been to our political process as well. That's kind of evidence this maybe was not the, uh, the panacea that Planned Parenthood seemed to think it was going to be, uh, that if, we, if the court just rules on this, it'll, this issue is going to go away. Uh, I think the good news is um, the issue now is going to go back to the American people and its representatives, and that's where it belonged all along. So there's mm-hmm. still going to be a debate in this country, but it won't be a debate that gets settled by uh, five unelected judges. It's going to be a debate that's going to happen in 50 different states. It's going to happen within the Congress. And it's going to happen in all our state legislatures. And then you, uh, the American people can have a much more nuanced and a uh, much more uh, representative approach to how this is done, rather than a one-size-fits-all a solution handed down uh from imperial judges.
0: Yeah, no, really, the, the road is just beginning as far as watching these various pro-life debates unfold in states all across the country. It's going to be really fascinating to watch that. Um, as far as where the opinion stands right now, so obviously, this, this draft has been leaked. It looks like the court is set to overturn Roe versus Wade. Originally, we thought that this opinion was going to come out at the end of June. Is that going to be sped up? now? Or could we expect something as soon as the next couple of weeks?
1: Yeah, you know, I, obviously everyone assumes a big opinion like this to come out at the last day of the term. I think that's probably what it was on track for before. Um, at this point, a lot of people um, have been talking about how this leaving this decision out there hanging just it increases the, um, the improper pressure on the court, I think draws attention and focus on the impropriety leak, I think the best thing for the court to do is simply to release the opinion. The great news is there is there is, it, the opinion's outstanding it's it's thorough it does I don't think it needs additional work whatsoever, and that's that's pretty typical first draft opinions you don't circulate it to the other justices unless it's very uh well uh researched and edited within chambers. So I think that I think the best route for the court would be to simply swiftly release this, even if it means waiting. Uh, for the dissent and uh, the potential concurrences to uh, come out at a later date, I think it would be better to have this decision finalized now that it's out there in the public, because I think the longer that debate is out there, um, the more damage is done to the institutional reputation of the court.
0: Mm-hmm. and what we have seen from the far left is that right away they they have begun calling for court packing. If Roe v Wade mm-hmm. is indeed overturned, we get that final ruling. What do you think we can expect from the left?
1: well, what you, what we have seen is, uh, yeah, they're calling for court packing. they're calling for the elimination of the filibuster in order to pass a law codifying row and frankly whatever other liberal wish list um item they can come up with uh this is they're they're willing to uh sort of uh canonize the, whoever it is that, that leaks the opinion as if this was a um you know some kind of wonderful patriotic act i think you're going you're seeing the left is more and more willing to undermine and destroy any institution that gets in that way, its way. We have people who are um, saying things like, you know, the Constitution itself is trash. That was, that was said by one of the board members of the, the liberal dark money group that has, was the, the main group advocating for our next Supreme Court justice, Katanchi Brown-Jackson. <laughs> the Constitution's trash and should be scrapped. You have people who are willing to scrap the Supreme Court, who are, are willing to do whatever it takes to change that institution, not because of concerns about the actual institution. Hey, maybe it needs more people. It needs to focus on have – a, have a broader uh, base of, of people working on. There's not even an attempt to give surface arguments like that. It's just simply we want our political way, and we want it now. And if that means we have to bulldoze the Constitution, if that means we have to bulldoze the Supreme Court, if that means we have to bulldoze the Congress, that's what we will do, um and I think that's that is a uh, bad turn in an already uh, unfortunately very contentious political environment that we are in right now. I hope that the court does everything it it can to push back on those take notes prisoners kind of um approaches uh to trying to politicize every possible issue here. Mm.
0: Carrie Campbell Severino, Judicial Crisis Network president, you can follow all of Carrie's reporting her updates at JCN Severino on Twitter. Carrie, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it.
1: Thanks. Good talking you.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this special edition of The Daily Signal podcast. If you have not done so already, Please take just a moment, leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. Your feedback is so helpful for us. We read all of those reviews, so we love hearing from you all. And we will be back with you tomorrow morning to keep giving you updates on the Supreme Court and Roe v. Wade.
1: The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. The executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kay Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen and Doug Blair. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. For more information, please visit DailySignal.com.